We're going to um, do a teaching tonight that we're really excited about. It goes right along with what Pastor Brad started the series this past Sunday on Shine. I want to talk to you tonight, and, and I believe if you'll really receive what God, this is my passion, this is what I live for, is leading people to Jesus one-on-one. And uh, statistics prove today, and I'm going to go on the extreme uh, to make sure we're covering our bases tonight, but some statistics say 3%, some say 7 8%. So we're going to go really high and go 10%, but they say only 10% or less of confessing Christians ever lead one person to Christ personally in their lifetime. And then we want to know why cults are flying up and why we see so much darkness and, and hatred and all of the things that our society is dealing with even right now as we're here in church. Uh, we see darkness, and all that we see is a result of a heart that is darkened and void of the presence of Jesus. And so I want to challenge you tonight that when you leave here, my goal is that you're equipped and you're ready to go out and win your family, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, and total strangers. This challenge came to me. I've always had this passion for whatever reason. I guess my dad invested in me that we never knew who dad was going to bring home. Mom always cooked for more because we knew that dad was bringing home a homeless person or somebody they were going to be eating at our table usually, and then uh, people got my bed because my brother was bigger than me, and he wouldn't give his up, and so I slept on the sofa a lot, but, uh, but this passion to reach people for Jesus one-on-one, and uh, I played two years of what they call big league baseball, where I traveled for the state of Florida, and, and when the uh, team invited me to join, the church stood up and really rebelled against my parents and said, you know, you shouldn't let him get on that bus because there's no rules, there's no guidelines. They brought women, on, girls on the bus. They had sex, had pornography. They did everything. They did their drugs. We had guys so high they couldn't hit a basketball, much less a baseball. And, uh, and the church told my father, I'll never forget, in my living room, I remember some of the leaders of the church telling my dad, you shouldn't let him get on that bus. And I'll never forget this, that my father in front of the leaders of the church, without being disrespectful, he walked over to me and he held me and he looked at me and he said, I need you to look at me and answer this question. He said, can you get on that bus and be a light for Jesus and you win them and them not affect you? And I said, I can and I will. And my dad looked at them and said, he's playing ball. And I got on that bus and at the end of first year, every one of the players on that team knew Jesus. We had prayer before every game, after every game. We witnessed to the players on the other team. And what I want to challenge you tonight is that when you leave here, there's a passion in your heart, but not only a passion, but an understanding, you can do this. Look at your neighbor and say, I can do this. And I want you to get that in your heart that you can lead any person to Jesus personally. And we're going to show you how to do that tonight. All right, get your notes out. Get a pen. We're going to go really quick because they've limited me on time as usual. All right, so um, I don't know why. I'm usually a 30-minute teacher-preacher. I don't know how they do that. Okay, Acts 1-8, we're not teaching on lying either. All right. But you will receive power. Say power. power. You will receive power after what? Or who? The Holy Spirit comes on you. And I want you to grab this. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I don't have time to get into all of that, but Jerusalem is our city. It's where we live every day. And what he's saying here is you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then he says this, and you will be, say will be. That's not an option, my friend, that's an obligation. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem where you live, Judea, Samaria, 
and the uttermost part of the earth. And so as believers in Jesus Christ who are filled with the Holy Spirit, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we do not have an option on sharing our faith and sharing the person of Christ with other people. It is a demand of God if the Spirit of God is living inside of you. But here's the good news that when the Holy Spirit really gets inside of us, we don't need a demand because we have a desire. Come on, somebody, you with me? All right, so five basic steps to becoming a whole person. And this is very important because we can only give out of what we have, right? And we can only minister out of who we really are. And this fits so perfect with our four steps that we use here at Transformation Church. And, and I call it the journey. When I invite people to our church and they show up and I tell them, now you want to get on the journey. What's the journey? It's called our next step. And we're going to take you through four steps of a journey that's going to totally transform and change your life. And at the end of those four steps, if you'll commit one year to this ministry and to the leadership of this church, at the end of that 12 months, I promise you your life will be changed forever. Now, that's not that complicated, is it? And so soul winning is a journey also, just like next steps and the four steps to our journey here at Transformation Church. Number one, the five basic steps to becoming a whole person is you must be reborn in your spirit. And here at Transformation Church, we call that to know God, that there's a new birth, that we were born in our natural flesh, but how many is thankful for that spiritual birth, Amen. That you remember when you were in darkness, but tonight you're in the light of Jesus because one day in His grace and mercy, He came to where you were and where I was at, and He gave us a brand new life. We were born again. So most of us, if not all of us, we've experienced this first step in the journey. But then once you know God and you've had a new birth take place, you must begin to rebuild your thoughts and refocus your emotions. That's where Transformation Church, we go to step two in the journey where we begin to find freedom. Because as we begin to find freedom, we begin to rebuild our thought life. We don't think the way we used to think. We begin to refocus our emotions. We find that we, we're not letting our emotions get wrapped up. We, how many is thankful that your tears and worship tonight are totally a different emotion that you used to be crying over in that world? Come on, I'm, I'm redirecting my emotions and refocusing my ro ro uh, emotions and I'm rebuilding my thoughts because I'm beginning to walk in the freedom that God has made available to me. And then once I begin to rebuild my thoughts and refocus my emotions and begin to start living out this freedom that God is doing inside of me, I start redirecting my goals. That's when I begin to discover my purpose. That's where I hope that this lesson tonight, this teaching tonight will really push some of you that you begin to redirect your goals. I, I, this goal became my goal 40 years ago. I became the pastor of evangelism at a powerful church in the South Bronx, New York. Kathy and I had gotten married. Three weeks later, we moved from the central Florida. She was 20 and I was 21, married three weeks, and we packed up a U-Haul. We moved to the South Bronx, New York, and there we started our ministry and our marriage. But I took over the uh, ministry of evangelism at a very powerful church. We had 18 ministries going out every uh, week into the city. But the pastor of evangelism before me, his name is David Garcia. And he did something one day that totally transformed my life. I've always been a soul winner. But when I met with David Garcia and he began to talk about his life, as he was handing the torch over to me, he pulled out some index boxes. And we didn't have all this technology we have today in 1980, but he had index cards. 
and he began to show them to me, and he had made a commitment years before that that every week he would win at least one person to Christ personally, get their information, and disciple them. And it got in my spirit and my heart, and in 1980, I made a commitment. I redirected, and I want you to get this in your heart, and I hope it will help some of you to start making some goals. I redirected my goals, and I said, that's my goal for the rest of my life. As long as I'm breathing air and I have the ability to talk, I will lead one person minimum to Jesus every week of my life. And I've been able to keep that goal for the last 40 years, and I will keep it as long as I'm breathing. And that's why you hear me talk about all the time that I believe in divine intervention. I believe that God has a divine connection. Every day of my life and every day of your life, there is a connection that the Holy Spirit is already. It may be in a Walmart line. It may be at a gas pump. It could be anywhere. It could be in a restaurant. But if we're looking for them, there's people already been assigned to us in our life daily, weekly, monthly, that God himself has put in our path if we're looking for them. And they're hurting, and they're broken, and they're empty, and they're looking for someone that's got some hope to share. You know what I've found right now? I shared this with Brad and some of the small group the other night, that the number one place that I'm leading people to Jesus right now is the landfill. Who would thought? I'm serious. I'm taking a load of material there about twice a week from my business, and we're helping each other, and I start talking to people, and are you from here, and, and what kind of business do you have? Is this personal? You got a company? And next thing you know, we're sharing, and next thing they know, and I'm telling them, I don't tell them I'm a preacher. I don't do that because that they scares them off. I say, my son's a pastor. <laughs> he is. I didn't lie. I said, my son pastors a church, and I'm a Christian, and, and I've led more people to the, to the Lord at the landfill in the last three, six months than I have anywhere else in this city. So go to the landfill if you can't find nobody, all right? <laughs> and then number four, we're going to hurry. So once you get reborn in your spirit, you know God. Say it with me, know God. I rebuild and refocus my emotions. I'm not moved over the same things. Listen, I have a company. I want to make money. How many work because you want to make money? But I want to tell you something. I want to win people to Jesus more than I want to make money. My emotions are moved more. I'm more excited than I am when someone prays that prayer and they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior than I am when I get that check from that customer. It can't compare because my emotions have been redirected to something that's eternal. And you will go after what moves your emotions. Come on. So we rebuild our thoughts, refocus our emotions, we find our freedom. Then number three, we begin to redirect our goals. Keep, keep goals that you have in your life, but add this one to it, man. I'm going to start sharing my faith. I'm going to start personally leading people to Jesus Christ. And number four, here's what we talk about. Reproduce your life in others. Reproduce what God has done in your life. The Bible says we are his ambassadors, which means a representative of a higher power. We are his representatives upon this earth. Go make a difference. You've been assigned to the task and equipped by the Holy Spirit. I'll never forget when I was in financial services, I became a field vice president in the company. I had 47 agents that were working for me, and then God called me back into ministry. Go figure that, all right? But the, the thing is, the president, the owner of the company made this statement all the time, and I live on it still today. When he would tell us about our ability in the financial service world, he would say, you now, with the education you've received and the skills that you have and the tools we put in your hands, you have the ability to literally 
change people's lives. And can I tell you this tonight, that with the, the life-changing impact that God has made in your life and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your life and with the tools of the Word of God that God has placed in your heart and in your spirit, you have the ability tonight to literally walk out of this building and change people's lives for eternity. Now, that ought to excite every one of us, all right? And so how do we do this? Basic witnessing. This is how I do it. I'm just sharing with you the plan that I use. It's the journey that I take people on. And here's the key to soul winning. Now, I was in financial services. Anybody in here in sales? How many knows you can know all about the product? You can know all the details about it. You can go in and do a whole explanation of it. You can let them know all the information, but if you don't get a check, you're broke. Come on, somebody in sales. It's the same way with witnessing that, you know, we were taught growing up, you know, the Romans road where all the scriptures in the book of Romans and you throw these scriptures out on people and they left more confused than they were before they met us, all right? But I want to I teach you tonight, and here's how I do it. And again, you've got to find what works for you, but I'm just going to share with you the journey that when I meet someone, it may be a family member. I know I love talking to strangers, all right, because sometimes your family just don't think you know anything, all right? But, um, but I love strangers, man. I, I, my wife never knows what to expect because if that door opens, man, I'm jumping in it, you know. And, um, but I take them on a journey when I have that opportunity. And so it's not just throwing out, hey, you need Jesus in your life, or do you know Jesus? Let me say a prayer for you. I want to get, them, I want to get some interaction with them. And that's what Jesus did with the woman at the well. Remember the story? And he began to talk to her. He began to ask her questions. And he began to interact with her. And he found out her story. The religious world was ready to stone her for her story. But that's when the grace of Jesus showed up and transformed her life. And so it's about talking to people. It's about having unsaved friends in your inner circle. See, the church, we threw that totally, we totally messed the Word of God up. We used that scripture. When I grew up, they threw it on us and said, Come out from among them and be you separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I'll be a father to you, and you'll be sons and daughters to me. And the church used that and totally warped the scripture and said, You need to come out and not be around sinners and don't associate and fellowship with sinners. Well, Jesus went to the home of six people in the Bible to have dinner, and four of them were sinners. Kind of messes with our theology. Isn't it amazing? The Bible says he was a friend of sinners. It was the religious people that didn't know what to do with him. And so you need unsaved people. Now, that doesn't mean if you just got saved out of alcohol that you need to go hang out at the bar to be a witness. You've got to use some wisdom. But I want to teach you and I want to take you on a journey so that you can take people on a journey of how to find Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Number one. It's when I'm talking to someone and I've started some interaction, okay, we're going to get this person down. I'm going to take them from where they are to where Jesus is. Are you with me? All right? First thing I do is I'm talking to this person, so I share with them, you know, salvation is needed. And here's some scripture. And here's what I challenge you to do. Hope everybody begins to bring a Bible. Please start bringing you a Bible, not iPhone, to church on Sunday. I'm challenging every one of you. Okay, here's a proven fact. If you read it from this book, rather from this iPad, you will retain seven times more when you read it from paper. And it's just something about a Bible. When we use it, it's a tool that he gave us. Amen? Come on. And so, but I challenge you, if you want, you can take this paper, shrink it, 
and just tape it inside the back of your Bible. It's called a cheat sheet. And then when you're talking to people and you just don't remember it all, just go to the cheat sheet. And you got it in front of you, all right? It's okay to cheat as long as you're doing something spiritual. (laughs) Pastor Brad told me to say that. No, he didn't really. All right. So I've got this person now. I know a little bit about them. We're talking about their need for God. Salvation is needed. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What's the key word right there? All. What am I trying to do? Get in this person's world. You go in there. You sin. You need God. No, we've all sinned and we all need God. And so I'm identifying with that person where they are. I'm not out there to preach them a message. I'm there to walk them on a journey with me to the person of Jesus Christ. So my first thing is just letting them know, look, salvation's needed, man. Listen, ma'am, this isn't just you. Salvation's needed by all of us. We've all sinned. We've all messed up. We've all got failures in our life. We still stumble at times. We all need Jesus. We all need salvation. What am I doing? I'm getting into a safe zone. I'm getting into their world, and they're not feeling threatened by me. Are you with me? Number two, once I get that, not only is salvation needed, John, but salvation's been provided for. That there's a need in every one of us. But salvation is provided in 1 Peter 2.24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. That there's our need. We have a need for salvation. But guess what, John? Guess what? Jesus provided a way out. We don't have to die in our sins. That he provided us a ransom. He bore our sins in his body when he hung on the cross. He took my sin away. I don't have to live in this sin any longer. John, you don't have to live in this. It don't have to control you anymore. Jesus made a way that you can be free, that he's going to take your sin off of you, and he's going to bear it on himself. Jesus bore our sins in his body on the cross. So I'm talking to this. We're calling him John, okay? It could be Susie. It could be anybody. But we got John now, so we've had a conversation with him to get, get into his world a little bit. Then we started talking about spiritual things. And John, have you ever accepted Christ? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you ever made that kind? No, no, I haven't. Or Yeah, I did, but that was like 20 years ago, and so many things have happened in my life. Well, John, you know all of us need Jesus in our life. It doesn't matter who we are, where we are in this journey of life. We all need him. That We see salvation is needed, John. We've all sinned. But guess what? Salvation has been provided that Jesus bore my sins, your sins, John, in his body. When he hung on the cross, he was thinking of you, John. He was thinking of me. Salvation is offered. In Ephesians 2.8, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourself. It's a gift of God. How many knows anything that's a gift is offered? It's free. And John, not only have we, you and I needed salvation, not only did Jesus provide it, in his body on the cross, but guess what, John, guess what? He's offering it as a free gift to you tonight. Now, somebody told me this same thing, John, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, three weeks ago, John. Somebody shared what I'm sharing with you with me, and guess what? It changed my life because they not only told me that I needed to be saved, it not only told me that it was provided, but I found out that Jesus is offering it to me as a free gift. I don't have to do anything to get this. I just need to receive it, John. Anybody give you a gift at Christmas, John? Anybody ever give you a gift for your birthday? Did you have to do anything to earn it? 
No, all you had to do was receive it because it was a free gift. Guess what, John? Salvation is that gift today that God is offering you through me to share with you his love for you. So you need salvation. I need salvation. It's been provided through Jesus, and he's offering it to you as he did me. That's a free gift. And here's a great thing, John. It can be accepted. Salvation is accepted in 1 John 5, 12. For whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. John, you have a choice. I had that choice 20 years ago, John. I'll never regret making it. The day that I said yes to Jesus and I accepted that free gift of salvation that he provided for me on the cross as a free gift to me, John. John, I just want to ask you something. Would you like that gift? Would you like to receive that gift? Now, if John says yes, do I need to keep talking or do we need to start praying? We need to start praying, right? Because just like in sales, when I had that client and I explained that product and they said, I want that, I've watched agents talk a client out of the sale after the client's already said, I want it, because they just couldn't quit talking. And so when John goes, yeah, yeah, wow, I didn't know it was that, I didn't know it was that simple. I thought, I, no, John, are you ready? Do you want Jesus in your life? And how many listen to Pastor Brad pray that prayer at the end of Sermon after sermon after sermon, and people raise their hands. You make your prayer up however you want it to be. But when that door opens, and you know you've said enough that they understand. Now, what have I done to somebody if I just walk up and go, hey, you need Jesus, want to pray? They don't even know what they're doing, right? And then we put that on our mark on our board and go, got one. No, you didn't. You didn't have a conversation with them. But when I explain to them, and I know that they understand what they're entering to. And they go, yeah, I need Jesus. Right now is the time to take them into a prayer. And then guess what? When that prayer's over, your job's not done. Now we need to what? Get them connected to a community. We need to get them into next steps. You heard me say at the beginning, when I bring people in this church, I'm, I'm not like, oh, they're in church. Thank God, we're done. No, no, we're not even halfway done. We've got to get into next steps. You know, when we're done with them, when we see them at number four and they're reproducing their life and others, now we know they're in the hands of other leadership. Let's go get some more. Come on. Because some, what? Some sow, some water, the Bible said, and some gather the harvest. So you do your part, hand them to the other part, and let's keep going and let's keep building the kingdom of God. And so let's say John's not ready yet. Well, John, there's, there's different parts in this thing called salvation. Number one is God's part. God's part is found in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that what? He gave. He gave His only and begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And boy, you can dig all into this. You say that God, God's part, God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Now, John, listen, I love you, man. And I really believe that if it come down to it for your soul, that I could lay down my life. I really believe that I could do that. But I'm going to sit here right now, stand here right now and tell you that if it took the life of my son or my daughter, I don't love you that much. Sorry. But guess what, John? God did, and he still does. He loves you, and he loves me so much that he not only watched his son die, he gave his son to die so that you and I might live. Who else is going to love you like that, John? 
I love you as a friend, but I don't love you that much. But God does. God gave his life. Number two, Christ's part. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Because you're going to get hit in the face with this all the time. Well, you just don't know who I am, what I've done, my past. You don't know what's in my record. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know. If you understood. No, while we were yet sinners. Come on, it's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. Come on, say it with me. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. Come on, I were to get an amen out of a Catholic church for that. So we're going to say it again. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. Come on, somebody. How many is thankful that God didn't wait for you to get your act together and say, I'm ready now, I've cleaned up enough? No, while you and I are at our lowest, deepest, darkest point in life is when Jesus met us when we needed him the most. God's part, John, is he gave his life. Or he gave his son, John. God gave his son. Christ's part is he gave his life. And there's some more scripture there that you can read. I'm going on for the sake of time. Then there's man's part. Man's part. John 3, 33. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the Spirit, or excuse me, one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I'm sorry? My whole notes thing just went blur on me. I don't know what happened. Let me see if I can find it. Okay, here we go. I'm sorry. Number, letter C is the Holy Spirit's part. So we got God's part, Christ's part, the Holy Spirit's part. John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Then in John 3, 5 through 8, it says, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of what? The Spirit, the Holy Spirit. The flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. I'm going to say something in a minute. Let's get through these scriptures. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive. Say alive. Made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. 1 Peter 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be what? Born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Listen, if, if, if you don't learn anything else by being in this church, understand the value and the importance of who the Holy Spirit is in your life. He wakes you up in the morning. He empowers us with His Spirit. He enlightens the Word of God into our heart. He quickens the Word of God into our spirit. He brings life to us, and He brings a reality of that regeneration of who we are in Christ that, that I, I didn't wake up today going, oh man, I wonder what's going to come today. What, what's going to happen today? Now we need to be that guy that gets up, puts his feet on the side of the bed, goes, wake up, devil. Well, watch out, devil, because I'm up. Come on. 
And we can't do that in our natural flesh. We can only do that in the Holy Spirit. That every morning when I walk out of my house, I'm on a mission. Is God, who's my divine appointment today? And if I don't see it today, it's coming tomorrow. But every minute of every day, when I was in financial service, every person I come in contact with, my wife will tell you, I had cards on me all the time. And we were in restaurants, Walmart, anything. That door opened up. I'm going for a new client. New clients, new check. I'm that same way about winning people to Jesus. Every day when I walk out of my door, I'm on a mission and I'm looking at every person that comes in front of me. Is that the person, God, that I'm supposed to talk to today about your grace in your life? We're on a mission. Who? Who does that? The Holy Spirit does that in us. He quickens us. He brings life to us. He brings hope to us. He empowers us in the Holy Spirit. You think the Holy Spirit's not important? Look at Peter. i got to quickly close, but look at Peter. Peter's the guy that denied Christ three times. Remember the story? It wasn't years later. It was weeks later that the day of Pentecost came. And here's the man that denied Christ three times in front of a teenage girl. And guess who God has as the keynote speaker at Pentecost? Peter. The guy was scared in front of a teenage girl to even say that he knew who Jesus was, that he associated with him. I don't know him, Peter said. I'm not with him. He was a coward. But then when the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost, Peter happened to be in the room. And the Holy Spirit infilled Peter. And when Peter, the coward, came out of the upper room, all of a sudden he had a courage that he couldn't explain or understand. And he, the people outside said, we want to know what do we need to do to have that. And Peter, the guy that denied Christ in front of a teenage girl, preached a message of repentance to over 3,000 people, and 3,000 people, the Bible said, got saved that day. Why? The only difference was the Holy Spirit was now active in his life. So we see God's part, he gave his son. We see Christ's part, he gave his life. We see the Holy Spirit's part, that he brings life Regeneration, He comes and He quickens us. He empowers us. He lets us understand who we're identified with in the Father and in the Son and in the power of who He is in our life. There's nothing and no one that we can't reach with the hope of Jesus through the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God. Last of all is man's part. Man's part. So we're talking to John, remember? We're talking to him about God's part. We share with him Christ's part. God gave his son. Christ gave his life. The Holy Spirit, he wants to help you. He wants to enlighten you. He wants to, he's going to help you live through things and, and make changes in your life that you couldn't make on your own, John. It's going to happen. But here's your part, John. Here's my part. Number one, in John 6, 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will in no means Cast out. The first thing we must do, John, is just come to Jesus like we are. Don't try to wait and figure it out and fix it. He just wants you to come like you are right now. The second thing is in Romans 10, 8 and 9. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. Here it is. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Do I see one thing about sin there? He didn't say if you confess your sins at this point. Now in other scriptures, he does. But right here, he's saying if you confess that he is Lord, what is that saying? I need him. I need him in my life. I've already tried to straighten out the sin thing, and I couldn't do it too good. 
So he's not dealing with confess your sins right now. He's saying you need to recognize that you need Jesus as Lord in your life. And when you see him as Lord, the sin thing will begin to take care of itself. And he says you confess him as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. What? You will be saved. Then number four, John 1, 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. So, John, here's the four steps that we have. First, let's go back, John, and let's just recap. God's parts, he gave his son. Christ's parts, he gave his life. Remember, we talked earlier, he bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we could be free. The Holy Spirit's part is he's come to empower us, to let us be born again. The Bible says that no man cometh to the Father unless he's drawn by the Holy Spirit, that he's an active part on our rebirth, our new birth. He gives birth to our spirit. We become alive again in Christ. So we see that his part, and then our part, John, is simple. Number one is we must come. We just come to God as we are. Then we confess that he is Lord. And we believe in our heart that he raised from the dead. And John, guess what? Right now, you can receive him as your Lord and Savior. Would you like to do that, John? I didn't say, well, you want to go to church with me next Sunday, John. See, that's our cop-out. Let's just put it on the church. That's not what Jesus said. He said, you go make disciples. Come on, you with me? You go make you're a believer, you're a follower of me, you go make disciples. Could you imagine what would happen at Transformation Church if every one of us in this building had a goal of one person a week? We would own the city. Come on, somebody. I don't mean own it to own it like, I'm talking about we, the kingdom. The kingdom would own the city. You talk about getting rid of darkness and evil and hatred. How can we do that? By impacting people's lives with the hope. All we're seeing around us tonight, folks, everything we're watching happen on the news tonight is a product of our dark heart of man, a man that's void of an understanding of the grace of Jesus. If we fix that, if we can remedy that, we see a change in our society because we see a change in the heart of man. And we can't ignore what we're seeing, that man is broken, man is empty. We have the answer. I said, we have the answer. And it's not a church, it's a person. And his name's called Jesus. Let's go give him away. Because he didn't cost us nothing. So let's go give him away freely. And then last of all, and I'm going to give you these and wrap up, Pastor Brad will come. Salvation, our parts, the three R's we call it. Number one is realize that you are a sinner. Romans 3.23, again, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Isaiah declared it, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way. And the Lord has laid him on him the iniquity of us all. Realize that you're a sinner. Number two, repent of your sins. Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How many is glad you didn't have to do 10 steps of anything to be saved? All you had to do was just tell Jesus you needed him and that you wanted him. 
to realize that I'm a sinner, repent of sins, and then receive the Savior. 1 John 1.12 again, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. And I'm going to close just by challenging you tonight. Number one, I, I'm sure I, I speak for Pastor Brad. I am so overwhelmed by this crowd here tonight that you're here on a Wednesday night and we're hungry for God and we're hungry for His Word and we're hungry for His presence and we want to make a difference. I close with this story. I had a professor when I was in Bible college. He was weird. He was really weird. But he was a good man because he paid one of my semesters without me knowing it. God spoke to him one night and he paid my tuition for a semester. But he always wore a ridiculous uh what do they call them, the tacks in your tie, tie tack? I don't know. Uh, well, y'all don't wear ties. So when I was growing up, the preacher had to wear a tie, okay? <laughs> and uh, you had this thing, you stuck through it, and it held it to your shirt so it didn't go everywhere. Anybody know what they call those? Tie clamp. Tie clamp, there you go. Well, these didn't clamp, they stuck through, okay? And uh, But he had like bowling balls, I mean bowling pins, I mean like three inches, you know, and it was just crazy stuff he had on his tie every day at school. But he, he wore a thimble. He had one that was a small, tiny thimble. And he told the story of it. And I'm going to tell it with you in close. He said, that thimble, I got it because one night I had a dream, and I dreamed that I went to heaven. He said, I walked into heaven, and I saw people that I didn't think was going to be there. I'm like, really, God? To them? They're here? And he said, I miss people that I thought would be. And he said, when I saw some people in line getting their reward, and I knew the life that they lived, and it didn't even compare to how good I was and how much I did, the work that I did in the kingdom, I knew them people didn't do nothing like I did. And I'm watching them get these mansions and all this, and I'm getting in line, I'm getting closer and closer and closer. And he said, I'm thinking, man, wait till, wait, wait till he gives me mine. They think they got one, they ain't seen nothing till they see mine. He said, when I got up there, Jesus called me up, and he began to show the things that I've done, and he told me why I did them. I didn't do them for him. I did them for me. And he said, my crown, he said, I watched person after person after person have a crown placed upon their head by Jesus, because the Bible talks about seven crowns that are given in heaven. But you know, one of those crowns is a soul-winning crown. Seven different crowns that will be presented in heaven. One of them is a soul-winning crown, and I've been praying for 62 years of my life, really about 50 of those when I got old enough to understand it. So about 50 years I've been praying that when I get to heaven, if there's one crown I get, I want that soul-winner's crown. And he said, I got closer and closer, and I thought, man, what is my crown? There must be some diamonds, jewels, and rubies coming now. And he said he handed me a thimble. It's a thimble. It didn't have a diamond on it. It didn't have a ruby on it. It was just a simple thimble. And he said, you did a lot, but you didn't do it for me. You did it for you. And here's your crown. And he said, I wear this thimble to always remind me that every day of my life, I don't do anything for me anymore. What I do, I do for Jesus and for the kingdom. And I'm going to reach as many people as I can for his kingdom in Jesus' name. And can I tell you, when you get to heaven, I don't know about you, but I don't want a thimble. I want the real deal.
And to get that real deal, we've got to be real when we leave out of here. So let's don't go judge the world. Let's don't find reasons to be apart from people. But let's find a reason and a way to impact every life that God puts in front of us. I challenge you to walk out of your house every day and say, God, who am I supposed to share your love and your grace with today? And let's watch the impact that God's going to do through Transformation Church and you and I as we change the lives of people that are around us every day. Father, we love you tonight, and I thank you. I thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to just share a simple truth here tonight. But I pray that it will be more than just a teaching tonight. I pray that it will be a truth that will just dig deep down into our spirit that I cannot sleep at night, Father, if I'm not sharing you with people throughout the week, God. I pray that you make it a driving force within my heart and my spirit that my family, my friends, my neighbors, my coworkers, strangers, God, whoever, that, Father, there's such a gift inside of me that, God, you want to give away again. So, God, let me be the giver of that gift, a new life through Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for letting us share with you tonight.